This is Your Own Best Company, a podcast for people who love to work alone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Own Best Company. My name is Franklin Taggart, and this podcast is my idea. And I am delighted today to have my very good friend, Teresa Funk, join us. Um, Teresa and I were talking the other day and having a, 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 just kind of one of our normal conversations. We get together once a week and we've been working through um, Tosha Silver's book, um, It's Not Your Money Together, just as a, just kind of as a fun thing to do. And in our conversation this week, it, it turned toward her experience of the last couple of years. But before we get into that, we need to let, let you know what Teresa has been up to in the long run. Um, Teresa started out her writing career as a freelance writer um, and um, quickly realized that one of the things that she really wanted to do was to be an author. And she started on the path of writing uh, historical novels, uh, primarily about World War II, um, and it was novels for both uh, young people and for older people. Um, and it was it seven novels altogether that yes, were in the World War II novels, series. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that I can speak to uh, from experience is uh, "Dancing Dancing with Combat Boots." Mm-hmm. Um, it is a collection of stories that I just, uh, I find it very endearing, but also very revealing, uh, the more personal aspects and the more personal impacts of the war on people. And the other book that I want to mention is one that, uh, the last time that Teresa was on my podcast and it was the old podcast, the reset podcast, we talked about her book bursts of brilliance for a creative life. Now, this is one of the must-reads that I, that I share with all of my clients. Um, it is particularly uh, relevant to people who want to have just a more creative experience of life. It's not necessarily that you're going to go out and be a professional artist or anything like that. That could happen. But it's just if you want to get more creative juice out of life, this book is one that I've recommended to a lot of folks. Um, and that came out, what was it two years ago or is it now three? Yeah. 2019 fall oh, of 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that time has flown by. Um, but in the last couple of years, um, one of the things that I, I, I really admire about Teresa is that she's so entrepreneurial and she finds ways to get her books into readers hands that are really outside of the box thinking. And she does a lot of projects working with schools. She does a lot of projects. Uh, one last year, the year before, was uh, targeting um, getting books into the hands of students at Native American schools uh, uh, on reservations and and in their communities. And it's just she she's always got an idea. Well, the last couple of years. That Teresa has been through kind of a transformation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to let her tell you what she's been up to for the last couple of years, because I really feel like that she can tell the story better than I can. But I'm just so glad that you're with me this morning, Teresa. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Franklin. I'm really excited to be here today. Um, I'm going to be talking about my sabbatical, which for me is a bit of a vulnerable place to to 
to be talking. I, you know, I speak on podcasts all the time, but to talk about a sabbatical is something different for somebody who has always had a very, very strong work ethic. You know, I was raised by two parents who were sort of defined by their work ethics. My dad was a businessman and his work was everything to him in that sense of identity, you know. And my mother was a teacher and she would move mountains for her students and for her teaching. Her work ethic was incredibly strong. And so that's how I was raised and I've always been a hard worker and I've always been somebody who's been a bit of a rebel in terms of um, my work and, you know, having been told when I was younger, I, I actually wanted to be an author from the time I was in the fifth grade. And then all through, you know, junior high and high school got a lot of encouragement. And then you become a senior and people are like, well, that's not a job. That's a hobby. And that rebellious side of me kicked in and said, well, who said it's not a job? And so I started a freelance writing business, not really knowing what that was, and quickly figured that out. And then I did write my, my seven historical fiction novels about World War II. And, and so at, there was a period of time a few years ago when the assistant I had at the time came into my office and she said, did you know we're juggling 18 different projects? And I said, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not. And then she showed me the list and we were. Um, so that's how hard I worked for a long time. And at the same time, raising three children and, you know, being very involved in my community. And so I loved it. I loved being busy. I loved all the work I was doing. I was a, a mainly an author, a speaker, and a, and a writing coach, and busy all the time. And then in January of 2020, I started to have this weird feeling as it turned into the new year of, you know, wow, I'm not sure I really want to do some of these things I've been doing for a long time that I'm really, really good at. And I started to have that inkling of a feeling, but I pushed it to the back of my mind because I was too busy. And then the pandemic hit a few months later. And within a week, all three of my revenue streams shut down. So book sales, speaking, and um, coaching. And they shut down within a week. And so all of a sudden, I threw myself into this pivot. Remember that word, pivot? I hate of, that word. <laughs> me too. Of trying to figure out, well, what are you going to do next? You know, what, how are you going to make this work? And I, I got very involved in transferring my school visits, for example, over to a virtual program for the schools. And that, that continued for a while, where I was just kind of going through the motions, but still feeling not like myself at all. Really, the pandemic threw me for quite a loop. And then that caught up to me in June of 2021, when not only was I experiencing what I now understand was a bit of burnout with my work, but also I had a, a medical scare that just terrified me. And I had um, a family concern. And they all kind of hit at the same time. And I realized I need a break. I, I can't handle this kind of pressure anymore. I was experiencing a little bit of depression that I didn't want to admit was depression because I'm an optimistic hardworking, enthusiastic, creative person. And I didn't want to admit that. And I, I realized I needed a break. And so that was the June of June of 2021. And I said to myself, okay, what do I, what do I call this? Like, I, I, I don't want to tell people I'm quitting. Although I did quit some aspects of my work, I had been working to shut down my coaching, my writer's coaching side of my business. And I did that officially in June of last year. But I don't want to say I'm quitting because that sounds too permanent. And I don't want to call it a gap year because that sounds sort of um, kind of flippant and fun, like you're going to go travel Europe for a year and find yourself. And it wasn't really that. 
And I didn't want to call it a break because a break was too undefined and people were going to ask me all kinds of questions. Well, what kind of a break and how long is your break and what are you going to do on your break? And, and so then I landed on the word sabbatical and I thought, oh, what an awesome word because you know what? The word sabbatical is productive and it's positive because usually when people go on sabbatical, they are going to go do some deep research or they're going to write a book or something. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be productive and I'm going to go do deep inner work. And I'm going to figure out this health issue, which actually turned out, thank God, to be nothing. Um, and I'm going to go into myself and I'm going to meditate more. and I'm going to calm myself down and I'm going to fix this anxiety and this depression that I'm feeling and I'm going to get better. And that's what sabbatical seemed to be. Um, it's like this productive word for a break. And I said, you know, my sabbatical go will go from the end of June to the end of December, six months, just like, you know, a college professor. And then I'll have it all figured out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happened? <laughs> then what happened exactly? Well, about four and a half months into my sabbatical, and people did respond really well to that word. Oh, a sabbatical. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, what are you going to do on your sabbatical? Um, about four and a half months into my sabbatical, I wrote a blog post called, I am failing at my sabbatical. Because I realized that <laughs> sabbatical comes from the word Sabbath, which means rest. And I had spent the past four and a half months not feeling restful at all, but feeling really guilty that I wasn't working, feeling ashamed of myself that I was being, quote, lazy, you know, feeling annoyed that I couldn't figure this out. Like, where's my creativity? Why can't I figure out how I'm supposed to move forward? And just putting so much pressure on this sabbatical, which means rest, and just had a big turnaround and said, nope, this is not what this is supposed to be. And so for the next, I said, you know, we're closing in on the end of the year between now and, and my deadline of December 31st, I'm just gonna relax. I'm just going to ease into this more. And I did. Um, but then ironically, December 31st came and, and went and no lightning bolt. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Oh, my God, I figured it all out. So my daughter said, well, what are you going to tell people now? And I said, I'm going to say I'm on extended sabbatical. And so that's where I am right now. I'm kind of happily on this extended sabbatical, still figuring it out, still trying yeah. to be at ease with that. It's like not quite retirement, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. But the thing that the, the thing that strikes me is interesting with your story. It feels like to me that you're not alone in this in this desire for deeper rest. A lot of people that I've talked to have had that same kind of desire, and some of them have actually acted on it. Um, and I know that just having this. Uh, you know, this period of upheaval uh, socially for all of us has been something that I think naturally creates a reframe. Um, as things started to shut down for you, were there things that you realized that you didn't miss? Yeah, there were. There were several things I realized I didn't miss, and they were things that I was really good at. You know, and that was the part that surprised me the most is that um, they were things I'd been praised for and things I had done well, and I did not miss them when, when the shutdown came. And it was a relief, even though it was a relief not to have to do them. And what, 
I think was the biggest relief of all was in the evenings, you know, at the very end of my day, like I didn't used to allow myself to sit down and close out my day till 10 o'clock at night. And then I would say, okay, I'm going to read my novel, I'm going to watch some TV, and then I'm going to go to bed. But I used to sit on the couch at 10 o'clock at night and just be running through in my head everything I had done that day, everything that didn't get done, everything I still had to do tomorrow, looking ahead to the week. Sometimes I'd get off the couch and go send another email. And what surprised me the most that I did not miss during the pandemic when things shut down was that moment of just being able to sit on the couch and say, I don't have to think about anything. You know, and I did get a couple of things done today, which was, I feel good about that, but I don't have to run this rat race in my head. And that was tremendously freeing and relaxing. And I was like, I want to hold on to this. I do not want to go back to being that person who can't relax at the end of the day. So I think that was probably the biggest shift for me in terms of things having shut down. Just finding that the slower pace was actually something that had a benefit to it yeah 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 a health benefit and helping you know you sleep better you <laughs> sleep be more I was you know I started sleeping a little more than I had been before and um yeah that was all very restful and rejuvenating you know how did how did this affect your identity oh tremendously um it was embarrassing you know to to tell people that I was on a sabbatical. And, and I think you have to be really careful who you talk to about it in the beginning, because some well-intentioned friends would respond by saying, oh, no, you, you can't stop doing that. You're so good at it. Or there'd be that sort of pressure of people saying, it's a gift. I wish I could do what you do. Don't stop. Like, you have an obligation to this gift of yours. And, you know, other people just, you know, again, in a well-intentioned manner, trying to say to you, you know, don't quit, don't stop, don't slow down. You're, you're a powerhouse. We, you know, you've always been so inspiring to me. And I'm like, well, if I stop, I'm not inspiring anymore. <laughs> so it did, it very much affected my identity of being this person who was a hard worker and, and a coach and somebody who inspires others. And I thought, um, has that changed? Am I now somebody who's somewhat kind of selfish, just doing for myself? And, and I understand that a sabbatical is a place of privilege, like I'm at a stage in my life when my my children are grown, you know, our parents are in good health, my husband has a good job, this is a privilege to be able to take time off of work, I'd built up some reserves in my business. So I'm able to do this. Now, there were times in my life, I could not have pulled back the way I'm doing now. So I understand that not everyone can do a full sabbatical the way I have. Um, and that it is a privilege. And so there was that was kind of embarrassing, too. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. As far as like, those the when people see you kind of living outside of the roles that they come have come to expect. Um, it, it always amazes me that people only have room for one idea of who you are in their mind. <laughs> and if you if you show up outside of that idea, it's so uncomfortable. You know, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Especially you, when you've been doing something for a long time, like I've been an author and a writer for 30 years. Yeah. And so people, will, you know, especially when you're somebody who's in the arts, people will say, well, artists never retire. I mean, that's the beauty of being a writer, you could write till you're 90. 
And you're like, well, you wouldn't tell a dentist that. <laughs> like, that's a lot of pressure to put on, on those of us in the arts. <laughs> yeah, if you you can write till ninety if you want to. I mean, especially if you got started when you were eighty. What are the things? What are the things that you'll never go back to? Oh, that's a great question. Um, maybe I've even been avoiding thinking about that, you know, because there's a part of me that that doesn't want to think of something as being over. Um, I understood that my World War II books are somewhat over because um, all of my books are based on real people that I interview, and they're literally all passing away. Um, so I kind of understood that, and I think that was part of the original shift of what do I do now. Um, so I think that there were some things that kind of came to a natural conclusion and other things that um, I probably do need to let go of, but I'm not quite ready to yet. So I think that's part of the point of this sabbatical was getting to a place where you could feel at ease with the decisions to let something go. And it, it, it isn't something necessarily that you can just do overnight. Like it's taken me months to get to that space with some of the projects I'm doing. And you notice I'm not naming any particular projects because knowing me, I'll, you know, I'll get a resurgence of energy and I'll, re I'll rebuild them in a new way and then, and then they'll be back. So, but yeah, I am a little surprised how, how long it has taken me to sort of answer that question. Months of, of working on that very question. It's like never say never, right? Exactly, yeah. I'm wondering though, um... The thing that, that strikes me as interesting about your story is that this was an unintentional movement. <laughs> I mean, it kind of happened by accident. And then you then you realized that you were calling it something and it's like it was mostly by circumstances. But if you had to go back, let's say that you had the option of actually planning a sabbatical, would you do anything different? Oh, well, that's a really great question, too. Yeah, it didn't feel planned, although it feels now like it was inevitable. Um, you know, of course, if I had planned a sabbatical, I would have planned it, you know, I would go live somewhere else for six months. Well, you can't do that during the pandemic, <laughs> right? right. Um, I think a planned sabbatical to me would have felt a lot different in that I would have thought I would have probably spun it around some kind of a project or some sort of a goal um, an objective of some kind. And this was the opposite of that. This was trying to embrace just being present, just be. And for me, that was super, super difficult, always has been. So it was kind of the opposite of what I, how I would have structured a sabbatical before, which, like I said, would have been very productive. And, and that was even how I was thinking of the word. But it wasn't about that. It was about learning how to let go and just be, which, oh my gosh, that was so hard for me. Like, it's funny because people say, you know, well, aren't you lucky you've been taking a sabbatical? And I will look them in the eye and say, honestly, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, <laughs> giving myself permission to have six months to just be, ironically, is the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Now, I know that... Uh, you're a big Enneagram fan and you're a seven mm. and being is a hard thing for sevens, right? 
Oh yes, we we have a very hard time being in the present moment. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's work and yeah. and it's necessary work. And I think um, you know one of my goals for the for my time in the sabbatical was to meditate more. I was I've always struggled with meditation, and I was doing it maybe two, maybe three times a week. And I wanted to try to get to a point where I was doing it every day. I'm still not quite there, <laughs> but um, just honoring that space, which to me used to feel like you know wasting time for half an hour or um and now understanding how critical it is to my health like the meditation it was the thing that probably the most helped bring down the anxiety um and the depression that i was feeling i'd never experienced anxiety before in my life until until the pandemic and so that was a weird uh, strange place for me to be stress yes i understood stress but anxiety was different um so yeah i i kind of knew i had to do that but it was you know, it, that's hard for me too. Something like meditation is really hard for a seven. Yeah, and just doing doing nothing is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how have you How have you seen your decision to take this time off? How has it impacted your family? Oh, that's a great question too. Um, you know, my husband has a like I said, he has a great job. He works for a Fortune five hundred company, and so. He's working from home, so he's been right here in the midst of it with me. You know, he comes down for his lunch break, and here's, you know, I, I, you know, this is typical of me. Here's my sabbatical, but I have spent it watching courses and webinars and reading books and doing all this <laughs> intense inner work. And, you know, he comes home at his lunch hour, and I'm, like, explaining to him what I just learned about doership and how I've always been a doer and I need to stop that or what I just read about detachment or non-grasping and he's just looking at me like what what are we talking about <laughs> <laughs> so he's been sort of in the midst of this transformation and very supportive of that um, my kids are grown as I said and so uh, that's been a relief because they finally got to a place where they were somewhat settled and it allowed me some space to focus on myself where you didn't have to be, you know, even grown children are a lot of work, as most parents know, and they they finally settled. And that was helpful to me, too. Mm -hmm. Have they had to make adjustments to this? Um, I don't think two of my children are that concerned. You know, <laughs> my my one daughter has been super interested in what I'm going through, and we talk a lot. And I think there are moments where she was concerned, for sure. Like, you don't sound like yourself. Are you okay? But also very intrigued with what I was going through and really responsive and supportive. And so that's been really helpful to to know that you could be vulnerable in front of your children when you'd always been the strong one, the one with all the answers, that you could be vulnerable in front of your children is kind of a special, it's a special thing. Like I feel really grateful for that shift in our relationship now. That's one of the things that um, that kind of naturally leads into the next question that I have. Um, in our conversation the other day, um, you were you were talking about how you had kind of hoped to have some answers emerge, and you've actually kind of got, come to a place of being okay without having the answers. And can you talk about how you got to that place? Um. Well, it. It started to occur to me that that grasping concept of just grasping for the answers wasn't working, that beating myself up for not having the answers yet um, wasn't productive. And 
I had to sort of just relax into and let go and just sort of, you know, instead of, you know, grasping with your fist and trying to hold on to something, you open, open your fist and you, you let things come to you. And that was hard and is still hard, but it, it just felt so necessary. And so I am much more at peace with that now than I was when I started. Um, like I said, this was a at least four and a half, the first four and a half months of the sabbatical, I was doing everything all wrong. <laughs> um, and it's still, it is still a bit of a struggle for me. And I'm, so I'm not there yet. You know, I'm here to, I, that was the end of June and this is um, the end of February. But I feel much closer and I feel much more at peace and I feel much more um, attuned to, at my core, what I want and who I am. I still don't know what my goals and objectives are, and that's okay. It's like, it's really unusual to be okay without having something driving me. Um, that's very different for me. Yeah. The, the, the lesson about grasping is the one that really catches my attention because I feel like so many of us do that. And we grasp intellectually and we grasp emotionally and we, you know, we just constantly search for ideas and opportunities and things that we need to do. And um, that habit is not an easy one to, to set aside. And it, it almost like it almost feels like that it took that for you. It took this sabbatical being foisted upon you <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to make you realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I was operating fine. Like, in that January of 2020, I had this inkling, I had an awareness, my, my, my intuition and my body were trying to tell me something. And I wasn't listening. And, you know, like the, the, the pandemic sort of forced that in a way. But then that created a whole different set of challenges and stresses and worries um, that turned into this anxiety and this bit of and this depression. And so that just added on. But but that but this came before that like my body and my intuition were telling me that something was off and you would not have thought that to see me in january of 2020 i looked like nothing but a success story well, and yeah, the book had yeah. just come out the burst of brilliance had just come out yeah um, you were still kind of riding that wave mm-hmm. um and yeah wow um it's all it's almost a, a stark difference it was very yeah i mean like i said if you if you'd known me in um, in January of 2020, you would have seen somebody who was very busy, lots of different projects going on, speaking and doing school visits and teaching classes and, you know, still working with a couple of clients that I was finishing up their books and that sort of thing. And, and it was it was all really rewarding work. And like I said, I was very, very good at it. And so you were kind of writing the high of people saying, you know, wow, you've got such great gifts and talents and yet there was this voice in the back of my head that said something's not right i'm not i don't think i want to do this and then there was another voice saying that's crazy you took a long time to build this up um this is something you're really good at it's crazy to think that and i would just push those thoughts aside literally push them aside yeah i think that projection of that you have this gift you should be using it I think there's something about that that's um, that's kind of unforgiving, and and actually really un, kind of passive aggressive, judgmental 
kind of a thing, right? Yeah. It's like there's they're pushing judgment on you for not acting on your gift. Mm-hmm. What I what I wonder is if the, your your gift is being given a new like maybe a new a new rapper, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the, the thing that I've always looked at was is that I I think it's really important not to confuse gift and talent. Um, and the thing that I really marvel at it's like. I've, the books of yours that I've read, I've loved. They're they're wonderful, and I've followed your blog for longer than I've known you, and that's also a wonderful uh, piece of self-expression. But in getting to know you, the thing that's really striking to me is that, you know, if if I were to just say that your gift is writing and that's what you should do all the time, I'd be selling you short first of all, and second of all, I would be, um, I would be putting you in a box that actually your gift is much bigger than. And I think people need to understand that your gift is much bigger than just being a writer. Um, so I'm just going to get off my, my soapbox here, but I really feel like that, 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 that way of understanding gifts and talents needs to be corrected because, you know, you are so multi-talented and you're, you're talented in business. You're talented in, in communication, you're talented in so many areas, but your gift, the inspiration comes through, you know, in 150 ways. I love that concept you have. And that was a game changer for me when you explained to me a while back that there's a difference between our gifts and our talents. And you said, you know, you have many talents, you're a great speaker, you're, you're, you're great at building, um, building things and being an entrepreneur and, and even marketing and, um, but that your gift is that you make people feel like they can do anything. And that's what you told me. And I was like, wow, that's kind of, yes, across the board, everything I do comes back to that message. So what does that say about me if I stop working and I'm not out there inspiring people? I'm just in my own house meditating and watching courses on the Enneagram. I'm not inspiring people. Like, am I throwing away my gift? And then I realized, you know, my gift is going to go deeper because of this time that I gave myself. I'm going to learn so much more that I can have to give. Like, I feel like this is very much not just a service to myself, but hopefully it will be a service to others when I figure out the new direction that I'm going to take because I've learned so much. And I hope it is inspiring in some way for some people to hear that it's okay to take a break and it's okay to shift gears and it's okay to just be. And I hope there's some inspiration in that as well. So yeah, that when you talk about identity, I'm the person who's supposed to inspire people. And if you look at my blog, it's really fascinating. Um, my blog's an inspirational blog called Bursts of Brilliance for Creative Life. And it sh- it has shifted. There was a tone that shifted when the pandemic began. There was a tone that shifted when I went into sort of anxiety and depression. It was still very inspirational, but very raw and vulnerable. And people responded to that. And then it shifted back again as I started to come to this new phase of the sabbatical into being a lighter, more energetic. um, And people have really responded to that. So I think being true to myself and that vulnerability is more inspiring than I was giving credit to the the growth that has come through on your blog post of of watching your process unfold the thing that i think is going to be really interesting for people to absorb from that 
is not one article, but it's the whole experience of, of going through that with you, of going through that. What in the world am I doing? Why, why does it feel this way? I should be on a high right now and I'm not. And then going through that self-exploration, I think going through that journey with you is going to be of really high value to the people who, who um, engage with that. I'm going to encourage people to, to check out the blog because I think it's a fantastic resource for anybody who's creative. But that longer story, I think, is really important for people to, to hear and grasp. Yeah. And what's interesting about the blog is that it, it did start out with my intention was that I was writing the blog for artists and entrepreneurs. And then I started to figure out that teachers were reading the blog and healthcare professionals and business people. And I was like, what? And of course, I, I you know, I should have expected that because everyone's creative, everyone. Um, I was a stay at home mom for a lot of years. And I'll, there's a lot of creativity in that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that yeah, the creativity aspect of it has remained in the blog. The inspirational aspect has remained in the blog, but what you've seen is me journeying through the ebbs and flows of my energy as this pandemic has, you know, continued longer than any of us wanted it to, as there were changes in my personal life and my health. It's like there's a real vulnerability to that that comes across in the blog that I think people can relate to and, and appreciate. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that, definitely. Um, I'm not going to ask you what's next because we really don't know, <laughs> right? Yes, thank you for not asking me that. I've been answering that question for 30 years. Oh, what's next for you, Teresa? And I tell them about the next book or a project I'm working on. And yeah, right now is what what's next is, you know, Teresa 2.0, whatever that looks like. Well, I have to just say that I've been enjoying going through that Tosha Silver book together. Um, I had read it before just on my own, but it's really fun to go through it with another person and hear your reflections uh, as you're going through it. Yeah. Um, what are some other, what are some other jewels that you found that you might recommend to other people uh, during this time? In terms of resources? Resources are just surprises. You know, what are some things that you were surprised by? I think, well, one, I've always been somebody who's just been a, you know, if you look at StrengthsFinder, I have input. If you look over here, I have Maven. You know, at the Spark test, I have Maven. I, I'm a learner. I'm somebody who's always likes to learn, and I'm very curious. And so having this opportunity to just spend more time, you know, doing courses and webinars and taking a, a creativity class, which is funny. I've been a, you know, I've been a creative for 30 years, so why would I need to take a creativity class? Um, <laughs> And just taking what you can from each of those things and you start to piece things together. And there's a little bit over here that, that really resonates with you. And there's a little bit over here. Rereading books is something I've never had time to do. And I reread, I read The Power of Now. And then a couple months later, I read it again, slowly. It's sinking in the pieces. Same thing with um, It's Not Your Money, which you and I, I, I'd read it in the fall and now you and I are reading it together. You get something totally different each time you read it. What a blessing to have the time to reread something and, and go deeper into that knowledge. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think that has been it. And then, and I think probably the biggest takeaway and my best quote advice that I would give, because everybody's going to have to do this their own way. And if you can't take a full sabbatical right now, you know, can you look and see, is there something in your life 
that's causing you stress that you could take a break from. And even if it's that's just something that seems positive, like your intention to run a marathon this year, but now it's causing you stress because you don't really have the time to train and there's something wrong with your foot and you're going to power through it because you set that goal. Um, you know, what can you look at? What is causing you some stress and anxiety and discomfort and dis-ease in your life and see, can you take a sabbatical from that? But I think the my biggest advice would be to just learn to trust. That's been the hardest part for me is just trust that your intuition is calling you to this for a reason and trust that your higher self can handle this, that it wants this, you know, trust that the universe or the divine or whatever um, you call it has got your back and will see you through this and that the people in your life will will show up for you. I, I've been so impressed with how my friends, including you, have shown up for me through this process. And so that trust piece is really hard for someone like me who's a doer and a, and a go-getter and a hard worker, um, but it's so critical. And I have to tell myself that every day, just trust that you're where you need to be. It's hard, but it works. <laughs> what it feels like to me, um, just as an observer, it feels like to me that you're being prepared for something. Um, and you had kind of, we've talked before about that you felt like that burst of brilliance, the book was, um, was kind of a preparational step yes. for you. But it feels like to me that there's a, there's a greater message even than that that's bubbling up. We don't know what it is yet, but I, I think with patience, we're going to discover it and we're all going to be blown away. <laughs> I hope so. I, I love being blown away. I'm excited for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for it, too. It'll be interesting to see it come come into being. So I'm excited to I'm excited to be an observer in that. Yes. And, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about this, because, like I said, um, you know, when you when you first asked me if I would talk about the sabbatical on this podcast, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, there was still that hesitance in me of, you know, you don't want to be judged. You don't want to be. Um, and there's l several layers of judgment, you know, that could come yeah. into place. So um, I'm really happy to have had this opportunity to to share what I've been through, because I think a lot of people I think there's a reason for the great resignation. I think there's a reason for the higher numbers of of depression and concern. I think we need a reset you know, as a community oh, yeah. and a culture as well. And I think hopefully if some of us show that it's okay to do that and that it's allowed and you'll survive it and you'll come out better on the other end, that maybe, you know, maybe that's helpful. Sure. I, I, I believe it. I, I think that there's so much positive that's coming out of this. Um, I can, I can say for myself that there is definitely, and I've witnessed it in other people, including you. Um, I think, I think what we need to do, Teresa, is have our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think well, that would be go. fun. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about anything. You know, mm -hmm. It's like, it, it doesn't have to be about, it, it could be like Seinfeld, a show about nothing. It'll be fun, right? Um, there was a reason that show worked, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I wasn't going to it with any really, you know, hard set expectations except to to see what they were up to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do want to remind people, Bursts of Brilliance for a Creative Life is still out and available. You can find it mm -hmm. bursofbrilliance.com. 
Um, and also uh, make sure that you visit the blog and subscribe to that as well wherever you uh, wherever you take in blogs. I don't I know that Feedly is still a thing. Do you do you use a blog reader? I have an RSS feed attached to the blog, but I don't even know where it goes anymore. Um, I do have people who have subscribed to the blog. A lot of people find the blog through my social media because I'm on everything. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest and YouTube and all kinds of stuff. And a lot of people find the blog through that. In fact, they kind of wait for me to post on social media when the new blog is up and then they skip over and they read it from there. So, which is great. And, you know, my blog posts are not long and that's intentional. Uh, it's a burst of brilliance, right? It's and it's to encourage your bursts of brilliance. And so I think that's it's it's fun. It's fun to write something, you know, the thinking with blogs now is, oh, they must be longer and they must have all this in, intense content. And the longer people read, the more, you know, higher up you go in the, the, you know, the algorithms. And I don't care. What I care about is that people get that burst of inspiration that just lifts them up for the day. And that's what's more important to me. Uh, you were successful in that and I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being my guest. And, um, I'll look forward to the next time that we get a chance to sit down and talk. Thank you. Thank you, Franklin. This has been wonderful. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to your own best company. If you enjoyed the show, would you do me a favor and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast host? If you really love it, leave me a review or share it with your circles. If you feel like your career is reaching a dead end or you're feeling a deep sense of dissatisfaction in your work right now, I help people discover their gifts and then find or create new opportunities that are the best fit for their talent, experience, and lifestyle. Email me at coaching at franklintaggart.com for more information. I also help people start, finish, and launch creative projects, and I offer an ongoing marketing mastermind for solopreneurs and freelancers. More information on these programs and services can be found at franklintaggart.com. Thanks again for spending this time with me.